With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Anytime during my 10 years, I could do this. That's power. That's power. It's time for the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. Here's your host, James Curl. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. We've got another good crowd here at Amedios. They're excited about something. I wonder what that might be. We'll get into that uh, a little bit later in the show. Uh, yeah, football, spring football. Uh, the, uh, the folks here in the medias have always taken care of us and, uh, we want to mention that, uh, you know, um, obviously, uh, state is moving on to the Sweet 16 and, uh, I, I texted Dave and he said that there was a wonderful crowd here for the Villanova game and, uh, I can imagine there's just going to be, uh, a ton of folks that are going to be interested in finding a good spot to, to watch the game. So if you're looking for a spot, the folks here in Medios, uh, they will take care of you. Uh, come on down. I believe it's a 737 tip uh, on Friday. I, I want to say I saw that number. Uh, but, you know, get here early. Get here, you know, in enough time to where you can find yourself a good seat. Um, but, yeah, Friday is the place to, you know, Medios is the place to be on Friday, 737. Uh, you know, you're going to be able to watch the game here with a, a good group of Wolfpack fans who are all, you know, wearing the same shade of red. Uh, I don't, you know, Louisville red is pretty darn close to Wolfpack red, but uh, if you wear red here to Medios on Friday night, I'm pretty sure we'll know what team you're pulling for. <laughs> chances chances are that if chances you're a Louisville, Louisville fan wandering in here to, to watch the game, it would be pretty slim. But um, definitely stop by Medios to watch the game here on Friday. Uh, we're going to have uh, Ryan McGee from ESPN up in the second segment here, and I'm excited to talk with him. And uh also want to mention this. You know, I feel like sometimes I accidentally... Uh, or purposely, but not purposely, uh, because I'm malicious, but just because sometimes, you know, things take precedent. Uh, you know, perhaps overlook the, uh, the Olympic sports, as it were, but, uh, we definitely need to give a good shout out to, uh, Nick Wazowski for his national title win, uh, back-to-back national championships as a heavyweight in wrestling. Uh, I believe he's the first back-to-back wrestling champion, national champion, uh, in NC State history. Uh, he is, uh, he's a force, man. He really is. Um, so, uh, you know, congrats to him. And of course, also congrats to the, uh, the Pac women basketball team. They had to stage a pretty furious comeback to get, uh, a W in Greenville against East Carolina. So they're moving on to the round of 16 in the, uh, women's NIT. So congrats to them as well. Is there anything else we need to talk about? <laughs> no, that's, that's it. Right? That's it. Let's go home. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> that'll do it for another episode of the, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, uh, so State, um, you know, uh, they got into the tournament pretty comfortably this year, which was a nice change of pace, and, uh, they didn't squander it. They almost did. 
<laughs> but uh, you know they got in there and uh, faced a, uh, a a couple squads and managed to defeat both of them, and they're heading to the Sweet 16. So I know a ton of state fans are excited about that. It's Mark's uh, second Sweet 16 in four years here at NC State. Uh, you know that's a pretty decent clip for any coach. If you can get to the Sweet 16 or further. Uh, at, you know, half of the time you're in school, I think that's nothing too shabby. No, no, that's um, awesome. Yeah, so uh, so let's get into it. Uh, you know, and and I I apologize. Er- Ernie Myers and Lauren Brownler are here this week. I, I almost did not introduce both of them. Yeah, give them a round of applause. Hey, thanks, thanks, <laughs> thanks. I'm gonna hit you with a chant. Everybody go wolf. Hey. Wolf. Wolf. Hey. Hey. They in the house, baby. <laughs> I think this is the first time we've ever done a Wolf Pack channel on the podcast. So I appreciate that, Ernie. Uh, good to see both of you guys again. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that uh, LSU game. Uh, you know, boy, it did not look good uh, <laughs> to start the game. Um, you know, you talk about a team that uh, came out. You know, it, I always um, kind of hesitate to, to label a team as coming out flat. It doesn't necessarily mean that they didn't have uh, a want to, but. Um, uh, I think it's safe to say that LSU definitely played with a lot more energy in the first half, and they mounted uh, a 16-point halftime leading at 14. State. Was it 14? I'm just staring at the box horse. That's the reason I know it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I read 16 somewhere, but, uh, yeah, so 14. They, that was their biggest lead, 16. Okay. All right. So the State did trail at 16 at one point in that game. And then, much like State did last year in the NCAA tournament against St. Louis. It was reversed. It was, yeah, it was almost as like the, the basketball gods said, you know what? Uh, yeah. We owe you a solid. <laughs> and also, LSU is like bizarro NC State, so it kind of works <laughs> out that it happened that way to them. Yeah. But, yeah. It was crazy. Uh, LSU went completely cold. I think they, uh, what was it? They missed their last 10 field goal yep. attempts and only hit, what, four of their last? Like, 12 free throws. Yeah, I, like I think it was like two of their last 12. <laughs> right. It was, it was bad, whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, it was, and, you know, State needed every single point of it yep. because, uh, it, you know, we didn't win the game until the final second when BJ hit his, uh, his sweet, uh, polished <laughs> turnaround. <laughs> it's like they drew it left. up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, great. he, uh, he, of course, had some great quotes after the game. Uh, it about, was my turn to it shoot. It was my turn. Uh, Trevor had yeah. his shot. <laughs> That, that shot reminded me of uh, uh, a Cozell McQueen putback uh, against uh, Pepperdine. Uh, Cole had zero point. He just uh-huh. put the game back into overtime with a, a lefty off the glass hook or whatever a shot. It just reminded me of that. It was like, oh, this guy's. It's gonna go in. This is uh, crazy. <laughs> that was two of his four points all weekend. So. Yeah, exactly. He had a tip in, uh, like yeah. a, a tip in. Yeah, on a missed three from Ralston, I believe. Yeah, so those were his uh, points. Those were his buckets. And an inadvertent pass to him because you know if he could have got that <laughs> shot off, it was he wouldn't have passed that one. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Lacey. Yeah, uh, Anya ended up being the hero, but uh, you know, got solid uh, contributions from you know uh, a lot of folks on the squad. Uh, you know, Kyle. Yeah, like, yeah. like you were saying earlier. Yeah, yeah. Kyle. If 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 not for Kyle, I, I got to give him his props because, yeah. you know, for a guy to be ready, yeah. you know, after you know, I'm not saying he should be playing. You know, he's just a coach. You know, it's a matchup thing. I think yeah. with him more than anything. Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> hey, when he gets out there, he 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 contributes. He gets some rebounds or whatever. I just. You know, I don't think, and this is my own personal opinion, and, you know, they, I might not get any tickets anymore from the <laughs> if I say this. But anyway, I, I just, I don't see 
you know, uh, uh, the guys playing now, you know, I'd say Freeman is playing, you know, playing pretty well. But he, he for me, he's not aggressive enough um, mm-hmm. sometimes in the game. I mean, he's going to get a put back or somebody give him a ball and, you know, that type of thing. But he... He, he has a hard time creating his own shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, He's still really working on that part of his game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. His post-up game. He, I mean, he hasn't had any moves. He's such a great up. rebounder. Yeah, I mean, he gets the rebounds and stuff like that. But I just – I think he should be in the rotation. That's just, yeah, you know, I, my, yeah. my personal Yeah, because he only played the three minutes in the Villanova game. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I thought he'd play a little more because they're so small, or comparatively. So. And when he was in, he did a good job. He yeah. scored and, you know, but, hey, you can't – the win is more important than some individual, you know, right. play. It's, you know what I mean? It seems like Godfrey has a good feel for that. And, and, and sometimes I scratch my head at it. And I know maybe sometimes you do, too. We look at it and we're like, why isn't this guy playing? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. It seemed to work out okay. I guess, yeah, so. yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's really kind of weird because, you know, I mean, he at one time he sat Cat down. And I'm looking at him like, your point guard? <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, he wasn't playing that great, but it was just like, Okay, he's been the point guard all year. <laughs> you know, usually mm-hmm. coaches don't sit there point guard down. But right. you know, that's his. You know, that's the way he does things. So yeah, it's working for him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and you know, we we'll talk about the uh, Villanova game in just a little bit as well. But Desley definitely provided that same kind of spark that Kyle did in the and LSU heck, in game. the LSU game. Uh, Des had the I think. Let's see, I'm looking at it right now. He had three rebounds in five minutes. Right. That's, so yeah. I mean, Same number as Lennard had in mm-hmm. like 20. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's like, and, you know, and, he, and he's our rebounder, you know. That's why Kyle saw a lot of time in that game, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he came in and he was ready to play. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to say something for guys who, who sit there and think they should be playing and not play, <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's just sitting there waiting and he got a lot of frustration out on that game. I, I got to give it to him. <laughs> Yeah, if you get a chance, um, go back and read the piece that Jorgilio did about yeah. Desley um, being ready, being ready to contribute, mm-hmm. and the you know the fact that he had seen limited minutes this year, and it didn't it didn't prevent him from coming in and providing that spark that the team definitely needed in that Villanova game, mm-hmm. uh, and also in the LSU game. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, kudos to to Jorgilio for his work on that because it, it, I think it was pretty clear to everybody that. Um, you know, those two guys definitely did provide a spark. And I'm, I'm sure most everybody saw a lot of the vines and videos that were coming out from the locker room. And, you know, <laughs> that time of year. Yeah. And, and you, there was one of Des Lee just kind of weeping. Oh, and, you know, he's, he's an emotional guy already. That but cut mm-hmm. me. I was, yeah. Oof. Yeah. But, you know, you could, you could tell it, it meant that much to him. And, and uh, they, the guys love him so yeah, much. Yeah. They, they, I think they were as excited. For him, that they were being able, that they got to advance. Uh, and as, that, and yeah, I mean, he's that a moment, senior. You know? I mean, yeah. he's a senior, and you know, when you you come in and you you know you you want to contribute, and it's your last dance. And he played a lot last year, and then yeah, now this year yeah. he played. And you and you need those guys. Yep. That's experience. Yeah. You need guys that you know that that been there, and and, and they, they've been through the wars with you, and you got to put them in there and, and 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 see what they can do. You know what I mean? And he he came up big against Villanova. I mean, it was yeah. Wow. Well, let's tired. go ahead and talk about that game because, I mean, uh, certainly, you know, beating LSU came in dramatic fashion, but I, I think State probably entered that game as the favorites. They were the higher seed. Uh, so it wasn't perhaps shocking that State beat them even though – I think though it, was it was like a push, actually. Oh, really? LSU, okay. yeah. Well. <laughs> Which was kind of about how I I'm, I'm sure Vegas had uh, no idea how to parse either of the two teams in, in the LSU game. But, but once uh, State won, I was like, yep, they're the favorite <laughs> and for me in the next game. Yeah, yeah but I was – I was. they don't play too many – they don't play many guys. 
mm-hmm. on that team. I think they played six in their rotation. LSU? Talking about, yeah, uh, LSU. Uh-huh. Yeah, how many yeah. How many guys did they play? Seven. Seven. I mean, yeah. and then State, we played about eight or nine guys or maybe. Ten. Uh, we, no, nine. We played yeah. nine guys. Yeah. I mean, that in a, in a game like that, coming back, I mean, yeah. you know, Kyle coming off the bench doing what he did and Desley yeah. and, you know, uh, you wear guys down that way, you know. You, For sure. Yeah. You know, and, guys uh, get tired and, and, and that's why you – and start miss. missing free throws yeah, exactly. and jump shots. Yeah, it's and definitely not always a bad thing to use that bench, even if it's just for a few minutes here mm-hmm. and there, for sure. Yeah, I think the point was definitely made on the broadcast about the fact that LSU looked like they had some dead legs at, at that point because they were just, you know, it was a very short rotation, and, and that sort of thing can have an impact. So. And then the energy they, they gave in the first half yeah. of the yeah. game, they were really, you know... Uh, I believe there's a parable, uh, maybe a hortus and a... Uh, a, to- a hortus? A hortus. <laughs> hortus and a tear. Yeah, you know, all those dunks and <laughs> tap dunks, and, you know, that oh. takes a lot out of you. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Please don't turn to me for Aesop's fables, because I will butcher the name of them. Uh, so, yes, Villanova State enters that game, uh, I think... You know, state fans were probably cautiously optimistic. Uh, that seems to be a pretty default position for most of us at times. But, um, you know, I think most reasonably expected that uh, the number one seed would prevail. But uh, we knew that state had a chance. And, man, you know, they just came out and they were the aggressor. They played with, you know, again, with more energy. And Villanova missed a lot of easy shots early. Yeah. Uh, they, when you live by the three-pointer and the jump shot, you usually die by the jump shot. And the but not even shot. jump shots. Like Echefu, uh, I think, is uh, – He was one for seven. Yeah, he missed a couple of bunnies right at the, the, the rim that, you know, uh, I think would have – certainly given you know Villanova a lot of momentum early in that game and it provided the opportunity for state to kind of you know take it take control of it early yeah and then you you know Anya was challenging a lot of those mm-hmm. shots too I mean he missed a couple of chippies but um, when you you when you know a guy's there yeah sometimes you rush those little shots that you normally wouldn't when you know you got a shot blocker there you take that shot a little faster than you normally would you know, thinking somebody might block it or whatever. You know, guys. You know, they they they, they had a scouting report, and they, you know, and, yeah. and and he's a big strong guy. You know, he's a big strong guy. And, uh, you know, but he was their only inside presence. Right. Yeah. They they were definitely. Uh, I mean, they started three guards and and just not a lot of size on their team to begin with. And you know, it it kind of provided uh, state the opportunity to challenge a lot of those things at the rim. Uh, you know, allowed. Gosh, I'm, lo- I'm looking at the score here to see how many rebounds. Uh, Abu and Freeman each had 12 rebounds in that game. Um, you know, I think State, you know, they ended up with a 45-32 rebounding advantage, but it felt, almost at times, felt like more than that, you know. felt like they were really in control of uh, the glass. And, you know, it, when you are limiting a, a team like Villanova to, to one and done on their possessions mm-hmm. down the court, uh, they can tense up, and it seemed like it, at times that they tensed up. Yeah, and you, you know, and they when you're trying to shoot those jumpers and, you know, they're not falling and, you know, and then you know if you don't make them, it's over. You know, there's yeah. a lot of pressure on those jump shots now, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and I think Jay Wright, I mean, I think he's 0-2 against us. I remember Sydney beating him down in Orlando <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. when Sydney was coaching here. Right. You know, and it, it was a, a real close game then. I remember watching that game and, uh, you know, these guys, you know, they really came to play. I mean, it was... You know, they, they, they played with heart. Yeah. You know, they played with real heart, and I was really proud of these guys. Yeah, I, I think, you know, going in, if, if I had to have, you know, set my expectations, where what did I want to see, that was that was really 
you know, what I wanted to see more than anything was just, okay, let's come out. Let's not start the game, certainly like we did against LSU. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, don't come out looking scared or intimidated by the fact that you're facing the one seed. Come in believing that you can win the game. They did, and they played like it. Yeah, and a lot of the announcers, they gave they they thought that we could beat them. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, a lot of guys on the uh, the telecast were saying uh, uh, that you know they they didn't have a lot of confidence in Villanova. <laughs> right. I mean, their record, or, or I guess where they played or who they played against this year. That's the thing with them is it's weird. Like their conference is one of the higher rated conferences, but it's mostly because there were no bad teams in it. You know, and like there were some good, really good solid teams in there, but there weren't any teams that were like, you know, the ACC's got what five of the top, you know. 30 or 20 or so teams in the country and mm-hmm. and and the Big East really didn't have anybody that high. They had like a bunch of 20 to 80ish teams, but they didn't mm-hmm. have anybody like in the Wake Forest, Virginia right. Tech type, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So right. And there's something to be said for that too, but at the same time it's like, you know, states played and beaten plenty of those teams of the the top tier teams, so Yeah. You know, there's something to be said for that. Right. And and and, and even some of the top games, I mean, even against Notre Dame, we were in those games, and yeah, you know, and you playing against that type of competition week after week, you know, they, when you get to the tournament and you see a team like Villanova who hasn't played against that type of competition on a, yeah, I mean, in the non-con they played some really good teams and beat them, but it, yeah, it, like I said, it was just like that kind of that ceiling on the Big East mm-hmm. where it was like twenty-ish was the 20, highest, 20 you know what I mean, that, that they were facing, and so it's been a when you, it's been a while since you played a team like that. I think it probably has an impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. It, uh, I mean, and and to be honest, State was kind of playing with house money. They had already won a game in sure, the tournament. Sure, and I'm sure Villanova was a little tight, especially yeah. like yeah. you said, once they started missing <laughs> shots. Like, wait, really? We're not. Yeah, yeah. Well. You, I mean, they, they won that first four minute period, and then they, I think they won the next one. And so it was, it was clear that State was not going to go away early. And uh, and yeah, it's funny things can happen psychologically when you know you're not seeing the ball go through the basket, and that uh, the other team is you know still possessing a lead, a team that. Everybody, well, not everybody. Like you said, Ernie, there were some folks that were picking state to possibly pull the upset. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, uh, the, the Lauren Brella, of course, Fox Sports Carolina. Absolutely. Uh, you know, um, I wasn't the only one. <laughs> we know this team. Yeah. I said right? if they get past LSU, I'm, I'm, I got them going past that round. Yeah. 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 It, it just we, you know, the team that's going to show up against Louisville is what I'm worried about. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. After you already beat, you know. I, I, I hate when uh, I, I don't know if they are picked to be the favorite, but you know Louisville is still a four seed, right? Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, but they just beat them, so they beat them at Louisville. Yeah. So that 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 troubles me sometimes, and when you <laughs> when you when you you like you said you're playing with house money, you know you you know you already beat these guys and they know it. Right. So I mean you, we're on a neutral site, so it's. Uh, I'm we'll sure you happens. can convince them you're kind of playing with house money now mm-hmm. to a degree. I don't know. I mean, it's tough to say that because obviously you want to keep winning. But, I mean, at the same time, you know, they've done more than I'm sure, you know, certainly their seed would indicate that they should have done. And right. at this point, you know, you just be loose and just play. Why not? Yeah, I mean, you know you can do it. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you know right now that, you know, you, 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 you're you in there. It's, it's You're two games away from the Final Four, you know, and, and that's, a, that's a great feeling. You know, I've been in, involved with a couple of those type of uh, – That bracket is – Wide open. Yeah, it, it is wide <laughs> open. It's wide open. I mean, yeah. uh, and 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 you know, and, and I know that feeling when you just lose and it's over. You know what I mean? It's just like you go home, it's done. But yeah, they they're in a great position. Do you look ahead though? You know, I mean, you can't help yourself, right? A oh, you bit? can. You you. I mean, 
the night before you play um, in a Sweet 16 or yeah. a, a Final Eight, you, you can't sleep because you, you, you're thinking about you, you're not supposed to, but you you're thinking about I'm, a, I'm, I'm I can go to the Final Four again. But you're like looking at your like, do you look at the bracket? You say like. Oh, we got this. Like we No, you know no, I mean? no, no. You you don't look at the bracket. You just So you're like, "Oh, well, you just look at that game that's we got in front a seven of you." And a three, but a once four? you get to the final 8, you're yeah. like, "This could happen." Right. You okay, know, I you, see what you're saying. Yeah, when you get to the final 8, it's like So you're not necessarily like, "Oh, well our, you know, one and two are out. We're good." You're it's more like Yeah. yeah I got you, you know, in my college, I, I've been to 3 of those. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know, that that anticipation like you you you're like we can do this, man. This yeah. is this is doable, <laughs> you know. And you can't sleep the night before, and it's like, wow, I'm, I'm, we, you know, after this season, and we we're here right now. We can make this happen, but you know, um, yeah, I think these guys are gonna, and I think coaches, you know, even in some of the celebrations, he's like, we're not done yet, you know, like, we're not done yet. This yeah. is don't think that we're done. You know, right. we want to we go all the way, you know. <laughs> Louisville's a surprise to me, I can say that. Like, I didn't – I had them winning one game and mm-hmm. being, being done. So, yeah. I don't quite know what to make of them. They played really, really well last night, though. So, well, well, on offense, anyway, they played real well. Yeah, they did. They did. They and played as well as I've seen them play in a long time on offense. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, you know, when you are used to being in the tournament. Yeah, maybe you just kind of – Yeah, once yeah. you – those guys, they've been in the tournament – you know, Northern Iowa. They, I don't know when the last time they were in the tournament. I don't know their history. Um, they had sure. a great season, but um, when you got guys that you know, Louisville won the national championship. What two, two years? Yeah. Two, year, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Two, yeah, and a lot of those guys have been in a lot of games, and something. Yeah, that experience uh, says a lot. You know, how, how does Louisville? Uh, I, I know that around the time that we played and beat them, they were, I think probably dealing with uh the issue that ultimately led to was it chris jones's dismissal mm-hmm. yeah. from the team right not were you were they i, I, I think, think that, that came out like later i, I want sure. well, yeah. i think it came out yeah that, yeah okay. he was suspended for that game you're right and mm-hmm. uh then i think he played one more and then was kicked off the team uh no he played that. against state and then he was suspended against like syracuse i think it was yeah and, and yeah. they lost that game okay. and then right and then after he was off the team actually i think they went on a little streak there and they kind of reworked some things right and that and i guess that's if you're a state fan perhaps part of the concern is that they've figured they've now figured out how to play without him and Kind of, you know, develop a, a, you know, a groove that works for them. Snyder's kind of emerged as a mm-hmm. guy they can trust a little bit. And Has mm-hmm. Rozier continued to, oh, to play well? He was well? a yeah. beast yeah. last night. He was so good. Yeah. I like amazing. him off the dribble. I mean, he oh, reminds man. me of, uh, um, uh, Pearl Washington a little bit. I mean, off the dribble. You know, yeah. he, can, he can get wherever he wants to go. He has a little juke game with him. It's like a street, you know, he plays like a, a street guy, you know, a street ball player. He's at his best when he's tagging the basket, though. Sometimes he gets a little jump shot happy, and, and you're mm-hmm. like, dude, you know, but right. <laughs> but he's he's fearless. I yeah, mean, he, he is. He really he is. Play. But they kind of live and die with him at this point, especially without Jones, just because they don't, you know, they don't have any kind of volume guy like that anymore. I mean, he'll take 16, 17, 18 shots in a game, and if he makes... You know, I think it was like four of tw- like eighteen against Carolina in that loss in the AC tournament. I mean, mm-hmm. that's gonna that's gonna kill them. But if he yeah. makes you know nine or ten, <laughs> and he's capable of both, so right, you just have to limit possessions. I mean, he you know you got to stay in front of that guy because yep. he's 
he's dangerous off the dribble. I mean, he can get wherever he wants to go, and he yeah. and he, he and he's you know he's averaging what 18, 19 points yeah, a game. Yeah, he's been real good. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Yeah, he had twenty five against Northern uh, Iowa. He was really really good <laughs> in that game. So uh, in the first game that State prevailed in against uh, Louisville, they were pretty much able to to negate or neutralize Montrez Harrell. Oh, Harrell, yeah. Um, played him very well. Um, so I'm. I'm I guess the the final question before we wrap up here in this segment is if you're Coach Godfrey and the staff, do you stick with a game plan that worked the first go-round and then adjust from there, or do you try to mix things up and – you know, adjust how the the personnel now shapes up with uh, I mean, I'm trying to say this nicely. (laughs) Uh Bryce Johnson said it after the first time Carolina played them when they beat them in Chapel Hill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Bryce has no filter sometimes, so he'll say whatever. (laughs) But he was like, you know, the way when we watch them on tape, Really, you just kind of have to keep him off the offensive glass. Like, they don't run a ton of sets for him, necessarily. He mm-hmm. just is a beast off the glass and in transition, but they don't run a ton of stuff for him in the half court. They just don't. Mm-hmm. So, if you can keep him off the glass, mm-hmm. you know, you've almost effectively neutralized him. And, and, you know, make sure he doesn't get going in transition. Because sometimes those dunks can really, you know, those yeah, transition dunks. Can, yeah, exactly. And hype their team up. Yep. And, you know, he, and he's starting to shoot a little perimeter. He's starting to he's starting to take Ugh. some perimeter shots. I mean, some of them, you know. <laughs> you like, yeah, you know. Every now and then yeah. you're like, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah, it's one of those, oh, no, and the three goes in. Or, you know, he's he's starting to take those shots. But, yeah, you got to keep that guy off he's the board. He's a monster. Yeah. He, he's he, real, real good. But he's And just he's a high-energy guy, and you have to match his energy. And they're playing another big with him now a little bit more than they used to, um, who's a little bit more of kind of a scoring threat than the others they were playing with him. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to tweak some things that way, too, because Patino was saying that after the tournament, that we've got to have somebody else down there that can, like, score. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see how things shake out. I, I, I am hesitant to even look past uh, Louisville. I don't but know what to expect from either. No, of no. <laughs> Frankly, yeah, yeah, from it's going to be basis. Yeah, uh, yeah it, both those teams. Um, I mean, but I think – uh, you know, if we play it right, if we, if, if Godfrey makes the right, uh, you know, substitutions and, 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 and coaches the game, we can win that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a very winnable uh, game, you know. So, um, you know, they're, they're going to want revenge, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes that can play against you, you know, when you, you know, you – Playing a team and it's not Duke this time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Ooh, yes. you were right about that. Long. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, was... yeah, you know when they when they when they when you beat them and they come back, you know it's uh it's ugly. It's ugly, you know. Um, I've never been more happy to not have a podcast than after the ACC tournament. Oh, I bet you are. <laughs> Although Louisville, I think is like I I track this now because it's just something I'm interested. in. It's four zero, I think, in the second game against teams. Oh, great. But that's I mean it's whatever it's arbitrary. But Notre Dame sad. got them back though. I mean <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, Notre Dame got round three. Yeah, yeah, so. got round three. It's like, okay, you blew us out. Now we're going to come back and, yep. you know, we, we, you know we, we're going to get you back. <laughs> well, we'll see how uh, things shake out. Hopefully, who knows, maybe we'll still be talking basketball. We'll obviously be talking basketball next week one way or the other. But um, I'm hopeful that uh, we'll have a, a, another fantastic Michigan, round. Michigan State's scary. Michigan State is scary. From seeing them in person this weekend, like. And who are they facing? Uh, they the play Oklahoma. Who Oklahoma. I'm, not, I'm yeah. meh on Oklahoma, but okay. Michigan State is is playing very well, and their their seniors are like. Well, yeah, that in. game against Virginia they were was on another. They both both of those teams were on another level. Yeah. yeah. You know they run their stuff. They. They're patient. You know, Izzo is yeah. They're patient and they you know their guard play. They was, got real good guard play. Yeah, right they now. got great guard play and. Um, 
You know, and then they got Magic Johnson holding court, <laughs> you know. Dude, yeah. he couldn't even watch the game. Like, people are in his face the entire time. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, yeah. but he's talking to the team and yeah, before yeah. the game and breaking the – I'm like, okay, yeah, oh, you got Magic Johnson. Today. I mean, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, Ernie, you just pop in there and say a few words. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get up there. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be at the game. Nice. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going up there. So, yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I don't uh, often like to repeat disparaging things sometimes that uh, our radio crew said, but uh, Tony Haynes had a good. Oh, line. I saw that. I saw Did that. Did you hear funny. about that? Yeah. yeah, he said, I, "I've never said this before, but I really want to go to Syracuse next weekend," which I thought was. Pretty good. <laughs> I mean, sorry, but no offense. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's take a break. We're going to bring on uh, Ryan McGee from ESPN here in the second segment of the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. At Amedios, the atmosphere is just as important as the great food. I'm quite the football fan, and coming to Amedios, I'm amazed of the amount of pictures here of past football players that attended NC State that are normally now have been in the NFL or are presently in the NFL. It makes me want to look at every single picture to see if I can recognize somebody or something from years gone by. Just a great place uh, with all the NC State history. I mean, you got the banners from Reynolds, all the uh, pictures from Every era of NC State athletics, football, basketball, just tremendous history represented in the place. Amedios, great food and great atmosphere. All right, folks, welcome back to the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. Got a, a good crowd here in Amedios. There you go. One of them hey. clapped. <laughs> They're uh, they're still hung over from, of course, the uh, the Sweet 16, but uh, and the and the, the good food here at Amedios, uh, uh full in their bellies, uh, having a little bit uh, comatose, I guess is the is the right word. Um, we uh, we have on the line a gentleman I, I mentioned uh, in the first segment. There we're going to have him on. Uh, he's a employee of, of more than just an employee, uh, but he works with ESPN. Uh, but grew up here in the Raleigh area, and uh, I understand was a state fan growing up. So when he started posting pictures online and some of his state stuff going up. I was like, man, we got to get this guy on. I want to I hear his story. Uh, Ryan McGee from ESPN has joined us. Ryan, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. You know, it's funny because my, my dad is retiring in May. He's been the president at Wingate University for almost 25 years. He retires in May, and he's selling his house. Uh-huh. So I'm having to go through all my boxes of stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I started pulling out state stuff. And, I mean, cups from carter finley from back in the early 80s and i found a go pack sign that they gave out with the news observer i have monty kiffin sign and you know of course i had i think a half a dozen empty of the red soda cans from 1983 and so it was i even found a crushed can from 1982 from carolina and so it was uh i I found i found so much state stuff i started posting it and everybody's like we had no idea i'm like yeah and but, but my claim to fame now is is that like while I was posting all that stuff, like you know, uh, Thurl Bailey was my my guy growing up. Like I wore forty one and the whole thing. He started following me on Twitter, so that's my. I remember that. That's my favorite thing. Worked Bailey out. Worked out. Yeah, um, it it was uh, it was really neat seeing you you pull a lot of that stuff out because uh, you know again I you know like most folks didn't know that uh, you know you had grown up here in the area, um, but um, it's always great anytime we see uh, uh, you know. A state fan out there in the wild that's uh, doing good things, and uh, you're you're with the ESPN and uh, cover motorsports and a little bit of college football, I believe, as well. Is that right? 
Yeah, when, when I, I'm, I'm basically half and half. At this time of year, it's motorsports. We get to June. I usually do go out to the College World Series, and then by the time we hit August, September, I'm I'm full on college football. So it's I'm on the I always say I'm on the redneck gig. Like I do <laughs> I do uh, NASCAR the first half of the year, and I do uh, you know Southern football the second half of the year. So it's it's not a bad way to to get paid. Right, right. And you, uh, you're uh, obviously also in the uh, podcasting business. You do a great show with uh, uh, Marty Smith, I believe. Is that right? Uh, yeah. One yep. of the uh, pit reporters for ESPN. And uh, I started listening, you know, uh, when it looked like we might be able to have you on. I listened to a few episodes, and uh, it's some good stuff, man. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Um, uh, Marty's story about uh, covering rodeo was, was – uh, <laughs> Pretty good, but you know, you also had some great stories about uh, you know covering Dale and uh, before he passed, and uh, you know just uh, a lot of good stuff. But this past week, you had a uh, show about uh, favorite NCAA tournament memories as well, and there was a lot of good stuff that you mentioned about state during that time, and and how you were you know a big state fan during uh, the era of cardiac pack. And um, what do you? Let me ask you, uh, what do you remember from '83 and, and that tournament run? Well, I remember the whole thing because I was I think was I was twelve turning thirteen that year, so it was right in my wheelhouse as far as, you know, when you really start paying attention to sports. And that was the first year, um, and it was because of the run that those guys made through the A C C tournament. You know, it was the first year I made a bracket and I made it on like the bypass like like a piece of poster board and you know, there's only thirty something teams in and I remember I remember drawing it out. It just so happens the first time I'd ever done a bracket in my life, my team kept winning. And I kept, I kept moving them up. And I remember we were down at the beach. We were at Ocean Isle Beach uh, the night of the National Championship game against Houston. And I remember we were there with uh, other friends of ours from Raleigh and, and just being riveted you know, to the TV. I remember, I remember almost everything about that game. And, uh, and it was the first time that my team did something, man. It's the first time my team took care of business, and, and it was just – there's magic to it, and, and you know the reason, the reason we still talk about it now, however many years later, and it's you know it was magic to it if you were a grown up, but I thought it was particularly magical for a 12 year old, and yeah. you know that team. I remember everybody on that team could go down to roster right now, and even as you get older, and I'm in the mid 40s now, you know there's only one or two sports teams in your life, you know that you spend your entire life talking about, and and for me, I mean that 83 NC State team. It's funny because if you look listen to and marty smith and i did uh that show this past weekend on espn radio and i probably brought up the 83 uh, nc state team probably four or five times over the course of two hours because that's that's my point of reference for march madness man that, that's where i fell in love with the with the whole event yeah and and uh you got to to speak with him before we started recording here but uh, of course ernie myers was a big part of that uh uh team and you know it, it uh, it, it's funny you said that because you know I, I think of you know, like the the teams with Corciani and Monroe. Those were my teams when I, and I was about in that uh, 12 year old range, like you said, 10, 11, 12. Uh, you just kind of you know that's when you kind of form a bond, I guess, with a school and, and a team and uh, fire and ice, man. That was that was my that was my crew, and and it was so <laughs> great seeing them. And uh, you know, unfortunately things their careers ended on a little bit of a sour note because that was right around the time that personal fouls came out and all of that stuff and uh they i don't think they were able to compete in their final ncaa tournament because of the sanctions and stuff so it it was uh it was unfortunate i'm i'm glad that uh, your first bracket experience uh ended up pretty well um 
uh, hasn't uh, panned out for state uh, since then, though, so we need to get you back into making brackets, I guess, uh, at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's funny, too, because you, know, you talk about the Fire and Ice team. So I, I remember Rodney Monroe, I was at Enlo High School, and Rodney Monroe came in with, what, Samuel Rigoretti, and he came in at the Raleigh Times Tournament. And I think he hung 70 on us. <laughs> and I, it, it was, he, he, I remember he, he broke he broke somebody's record for the tournament, like a big-time you know, ACC players. You know, David Thompson or somebody broke his record for that Raleigh Times tournament. And, um, and I, I just remember thinking, that's the best year I've ever seen in my life. Well, then we moved away. We moved down to South Carolina, and I ended up going to college at Tennessee because, quite frankly, at that point, it was really difficult for out-of-state students to get in, so I couldn't go to state. I went, I went to Tennessee and thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm go ball the whole thing. But I remember when the Knight Corciani broke the NCAA assist record, it was actually in Knoxville. Huh, how about that? And that Fire and Ice team with Les Robinson came to Knoxville, and I'm sitting in the student section of Tennessee with my Tennessee shirt on, and I had on my, I've dug out my old Wolfpack hat. <laughs> because I was going to, I was going to support him somehow. Man, I had people throwing stuff at me all night, and calling me a traitor, and all that stuff. But, but I, I knew I was going to see history that night, so I had to, uh, I had to at least acknowledge this, just my roots. Right. Yeah. So is it is it safe to say then that you consider yourself still a, a state fan, or, or you know, how, how does that allegiance thing work? Or are you even allowed to have an allegiance uh, since you are uh, a part of the worldwide leader? You know. Uh, I'm, I'm sure ESPN doesn't care to a great degree, but, um, you know, uh, do you, would you still consider yourself an NC State fan? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, there's, my brother went to Wake, and so uh, all anybody needs to know, my, and my dad went to East Carolina. So all anybody needs to know is if I, that I'm, whether I'm still a state fan or not is, you know, whenever it's time for the Pirates and the Wolfpack or, or for the Deacons and the Wolfpack to play, uh, it gets, still gets testy around the house. So yeah, I, you know, you know, you kind of you have the team you grew up with, and then you have your alma mater. And I'm I'm loyal to both. But yeah, it's uh, my time in Raleigh. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And that, that was that was a great time to be a Wolfpack fan. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to ask you how you got into to broadcasting. I mean, what what led you from uh, Tennessee into the uh, to the world of uh, you know uh, was it radio, uh, TV, or, or just print? How, how did you start your journey down that road? Well, it started right there in Raleigh. I, I went to the reason, you know, we, I grew up out on the north side of town and near Six Forks back when there was nothing up there, you uh-huh. know, in the late 70s. And, you know, when we moved there in, what, 1979, uh, I think our neighborhood up there just above the actual Six Forks had like 15 families in it. And when we moved away eight years later, or 10 years later, it had like 400 families. So we were there for the boom, you know, when Research Triangle Park took off and all that. Well, I went to high school downtown. I went. To, I lived way out north, but I went to high school at Enloe. And the reason that I chose to go there was the magnet schools because they had television production. That's why I went there. Mm-hmm. And so I learned how to edit, how to write scripts, did a little bit of hosting, all that stuff when I was in the ninth and tenth grade over at Enloe. And it was wow. at the time it was one of the only only a handful of high schools in the country that did it. And we, we had ties to WRL. And uh, they would let us shadow them. You know, Jay Jennings and those guys would let us hang out with them when they go cover high school football. The jelly roll. Yeah, yeah. And Suter was my hero, man. Uh, Tom Suter was. I, I, yeah, you go back and listen to tapes of me doing in low basketball, and I'm I'm doing such a horrible Tom Suter impersonation. <laughs> you can tell that's what I'm trying to do. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I, mean, I remember reading Alvin Battle of it. I mean, we 
I did an internship at WRL, and I think Alvin was doing my college internship over there. It was a huge deal for me to even just meet him, you know, in the hallway. So that's where it started. And so I, I majored in broadcasting at, at Tennessee and was fortunate enough that right when I was graduating college in 1993, 1994, they were starting ESPN2. Mm-hmm. And so ESPN doubled in size, personnel-wise, on the production side, uh, and really – needed entry-level people. So I, I started in as a production assistant, you know, cutting highlights for, for Sports Center and College Game Day and everywhere else. And, you know, that was just about the time a guy named Jeff Gordon got going. And I was the only – Stuart Scott and I were the only North Carolinians in the entire company. Hmm. And so when NASCAR was kind of really taking off with Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt and all that in the 90s, you know, they came to me and Stu and Reese Davis, who was from Alabama, and said, well, you guys are Southern. You know all about NASCAR, right? <laughs> we all looked at each other like, oh, yeah. And we knew more than they did, but we didn't know as much as they thought they did. Right. We all three kind of rode that wave. And, uh, yeah, it's 20 years later. I'm still with the company and, and getting to do what I wanted to do. Well, you mentioned Jeff Gordon. Of course, this is his final season uh, in NASCAR. It's hard to believe uh, that, you know, his career is uh, – that he's decided to call it quits because he's still very competitive in the sport. Um, but uh, since he kind of coincided with your entry into uh, broadcasting, do you have a little bit more of a uh, you know a connection to uh, to his retirement story? Yeah, I beg him to not to retire. I've been telling him for <laughs> I've been telling Jeff for you know, for five years. He's kind of been hinting at it. His back's been bothering him, and he's had kids, and you know it's a dangerous business. And so Jeff, mm-hmm. I mean, as, as long ago as five, six, seven years ago, he was kind of hinting at retirement. He and I are almost exactly the same age. My first year kind of on the road covering motorsports was the first year he won the championship. And so I always told him, man, you can't ever retire. I said, because if you ever retire, then I become like the old guy on press row. <laughs> you know, now all of a sudden I'm the one telling the stories of how it used to be. And, and he really, he's kind of the last tie left to what a lot of people consider the good old days of the 90s with Rusty and Dale and, and Davey and all those guys and Rick right. and Daddy, you know, we're still running then. So it's it's, it's going to be an interesting transition. But you know, we see it in, in, in other sports too. When when the big names, you know, I think about some of the coaches uh, that are you know, Coach K and um, you know uh, Roy and these guys are all going to start retiring, you know, sooner than later. And when it happens, there's always that that difficult transition that, that the whole sport has to make, and, and that's kind of what NASCAR I think is about to go through. Do you feel like, uh, you know, obviously when Jeff came in, NASCAR was starting to kind of begin its, you know, almost meteoric rise in popularity, and I'm sure, certainly uh, Jeff played a big part in that. Um, where do you feel like the sport is now relative to, you know, when before he came in, and, uh, you know, is it back to where maybe the, the nadir of it was, you know, I guess what would be, what, uh, late 90s, early 2000s? Um, and, you know, the uh, how, how's the health of NASCAR, I guess, if you will? It's okay. I mean, it's honestly the sport's kind of plateauing right now, mm-hmm. and they don't really know how to handle that because you know, more than any other sport, and, you know, every business is relying on sales, but more than any other sport, NASCAR is relying on sponsorship money. And so when the economy tanked, you know, in 07, 08, it hurt NASCAR more than anyone else because, you know, the entire business model is based on, you know, DuPont and Lowe's and all these companies writing checks. And so when those companies either quit writing checks or started writing smaller checks, you know, it created a need for a big adjustment. And so, um, and you know, and, and, and more than any other sport, these are fans that travel. I think about the NCAA tournament and how it is so reliant on fans going to 
you know, regionals and going to going to the different sites. NASCAR's like that every weekend. You know, most of the crowd is in an RV or an airplane or is driving in from out of state. And uh, and as a result, you know, when gas prices went up and people lost jobs, you know, it really hit, hit the sport hard. But but it's 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 steadier now. It's doing better now than it was certainly five six years ago. And the good news is there's all these young guys coming up to replace. I mean, Jeff Gordon's replacement next year is going to be Bill Elliott's son, Chase. So hmm. that's cool. And so it's uh, you know, it's kind of like. You know, Ernie knows this. We get to a certain age, and all of a sudden, the kids of the guys that we went to school with—they're the ones playing now. Oh yeah, you know, Rob Sampson. I see all I mean, these kids. You look, I went to Tennessee a few weeks ago, and half the kids on the roster are the kids of the guys I went to college with. <laughs> and so, you know, but that's but there's also a legacy to that, which mm-hmm. is cool because it's a, it's a last name you recognize. Yeah, speaking of legacies, I mean, how how important has, you know, the fact that Dale Jr. has, you know, continued to race pretty strong, been to the sport of NASCAR? Certainly he's what you would consider, I guess, the face of it, uh, and, and Junior Nation is what it is. Uh, you know, is the success of NASCAR tied pretty closely to his success level? Yeah, he, he's got to be relevant. I mean, you know, it's the Tiger Woods, you know, effect. You know, when, when Tiger was playing well, Everybody was watching golf, and then when he was hurt, you know, even before his, his last thing, you know, problem at home, you know, when, when Tiger would, would be hurt and miss six weeks, ratings would go down. Mm-hmm. You know, I live here in Charlotte where we have the Wells Fargo Championship, and there was such an obvious difference when Tiger was here and when he wasn't, whether he was playing well or not. And it's like that with Dell Jr. You know, you need him to be relevant. Every sport has those names or those teams that they're better off if those names and those teams are relevant. And even if it's a team you don't like or an athlete you don't like, you know, it's good for baseball if the Yankees are relevant. You know, it's good for, for college basketball if UCLA or Indiana or NC State are relevant. You know, when those teams aren't there, you feel like you're missing something. And so, uh, yeah, when Dell Jr. was struggling there for a while, it was very obvious. And, and unfortunately for NASCAR, that happened at the same time that the, the economic problems were happening. So it was kind of a kind of a double whammy. Yeah. Did, uh, did, so you feel like NASCAR is maybe on uh, a little bit more of a, a solid footing than it was five years ago or so. But, I mean, I, obviously we continue to see you know uh, them struggle to get uh, the casual fan, if you will, kind of interested in the sport. And you know, I think attendance numbers are, I mean, they you know, you know better than I, obviously. But, uh, you know, I, I turn on a race and I see what appears to be half the stands that have been built probably at the peak of NASCAR's popularity that are unused or uh, or half-filled. Uh, is is the attendance thing with NASCAR and popularity, is it just going to have to be something that slowly rebuilds over time? Yeah, it is. And the tracks, and the tracks have got to contract a little bit. Listen, when, when things are booming, whether it's college sports or whether it's NASCAR or whether it's, you know, the banking industry or whatever, you know, when things are booming, it's not that hard to make money. And so I think a lot of what happened was was that things were going so well for NASCAR for so long. You know, the two biggest industries here in Charlotte where I live are banking and NASCAR. Mm-hmm. And things went so well for both of those industries for decades. And it kind of masked the fact that they weren't really – you were raising a generation of bankers who didn't know how to bank, and you were raising a generation of salespeople who didn't know how to sell. And so all of a sudden, when things went south and – all of a sudden, the ticket offices of the racetracks, they got to advertise now. they got to market. And the salespeople for the race teams, they got to go find money. And, you know, just like the banking industry here in Charlotte, they, they all of a sudden had to figure out, you know, how to make money again. Because for, for so long, 
they didn't have to worry about it. They just took orders. They just took phone. They just the phone rang, and you said, "All right, yeah, I'll take you ten million dollars and put it to the Reds <laughs> team." Or I'll, you know, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll sell you a season ticket. You know, it's just like that with sports. You know, you know I mean, state basketball is a great example. When, when things are going great, um, you know, it's really easy to sell tickets. When things aren't going great, you have to get creative, and, and sometimes, uh, you know, you kind of. You get lazy a little bit uh, because you didn't have to learn, and then all of a sudden, when you got to go out and do your work, you get you got to learn on the job, and that takes a little bit. Right. Well, let, let's tie this back into uh, to NC State here. Uh, State's got a driver on the Xfinity series. Uh, I, I'm, and again, you can tell me uh, better as far as how often he's riding and uh, you know how successful he's been. But Harrison Rhodes is. Uh, uh, got a, as a part of a, an NC State team there in the Xfinity Series. Have you been able to kind of keep tabs on him? Uh, you know, the fact that State's got a team that's out there and competing, uh, did that catch your eye by any chance? And have you kept kind of a, one eye on that? Well, it's funny because, you know, I, Tim Peeler kind of put him on my radar. And um, and I wasn't even aware that he was an NC State guy. I knew he was from North Carolina. I knew he was from High Point. Um, but, you know, so many of those young guys are all coming in at once right now. It's hard to keep track of. But, but Peeler put him on my radar. And so, you know, I want to introduce myself, but now I'm tracking him. And listen, he's exactly where he should be at his age, which is making laps. And you got to be out there. You got to run laps. The finish doesn't even matter right now at his mm-hmm. age, 22 years old. You got to be there, you know, crank out top 25 finishes, then top 20 finishes, then top 15 finishes. But the big thing is, more than any other sport, you have to be in the garage. You know, if you're absent, man, they will forget about you, even for a few weeks. And so, you know, he, he's found a ride. He's making laps, and, and uh, you know, there's only a handful of kids like Chase Elliott who are going to get to just come in in the biggest cars and the best cars and, and and just parachute in, you know, at the high end of the garage. Most of the people got to do it the way that Harrison's doing it, and um, you know, it, it's it's not an easy way to go, man. But right now, he's right on schedule. Do you feel like uh, since a lot of the the Cup drivers also race on the Xfinity Series, does that take away spots from guys like a Harrison Rhodes? Yeah, and it's a double-edged sword because the problem is Brad Keselowski and I talk about this all the time. He owns, you know, he, he obviously he's a Sprint Cup champion, but he also owns uh, truck series teams, and he you know he races in the Nationwide Series or Xfinity Series, and um, it's a double-edged sword because again sponsors dictate everything, and the sponsors want names. Well, the problem is, you know, the guys that are, are fielding cars in this series, which is essentially Double A AA or Triple A baseball. You know, they need to get the Harrison Rhodes of the world in there and give them laps. But the problem is the sponsors want to back somebody that they've heard of, right? Mm-hmm. Kislowski, Matt Kenseth, you know, Kevin Harvey, whomever. And, yeah, it, it, it does take away those laps and takes away those seats from kids that you want to see move up. And what the kids will tell you is uh, is that they want to race against the Stars because they want to show that they can do it. And mm-hmm. uh, But, but you know, it's a double-edged sword. In a perfect world, it would be like it used to be, and it would be mostly just young guys out there taking care of business, but uh, um, the good news is for, for Gallagher Harrison is he's still got a ride, and he's still making laps, and when he's out on the track racing against the Kevin Harvick's and the Matt Kenseth's, maybe that's an opportunity to impress those guys. So how with Jimmy Johnson? Mm-hmm. If Jimmy Johnson was making laps in a terrible uh, Bush Series team, Xfinity Series team years ago, and Jeff Gordon saw him and saw what he was doing with the bad piece of equipment, and you know, now Jimmy Johnson might be you know, one of the greatest of all time. Right. Uh, one final question for you here on NASCAR, and, uh, and we'll kind of wrap you up. And again, thank you for joining us. Um, is 
is the sport as watchable as as it's been in the past? I, I almost feel like you know we, we talked about casual fans wanting to you know kind of you know watch NASCAR and get into it, but you know as someone who like I you know I grew up in rural Cumberland County, I, I went to Fable Motor Speedway and watched dirt track racing and. To me, a lot of those races are more enjoyable at times than some of the cup races because it just feels like they're just out there, you know, making laps. And and I'm not a hardcore fan by any means, but at the same time, I do enjoy the sport. And sometimes, you know, it's tough for me to invest, you know, four hours on a race when I can just tune in for the final hour and, and catch you know inevitably four or five cautions and <laughs> the the conclusion but you know uh, and I know this is something that NASCAR has tried to improve obviously over the years but you know what what do you think NASCAR needs to do to make the the, the racing itself more enjoyable for the casual fan to watch it's got short and everything i've been saying this for years uh-huh. races are too long the season's too long race weekends are too long everything's too long and you know if an NFL game, if a regular season NFL game, the 1 o'clock or 4.15 kickoff on a Sunday, if those games go longer than three hours, the NFL will send them to the National Guard. I mean, they got to get those things wrapped up and get on to the next game. You know, what the beauty of college basketball is, is that, particularly in the first couple of rounds, the games are a couple hours long, and then you move on to the next one. And same with you know, the NBA. It's, I went to Hornets game tonight. It's two hours, in and out, done. Right. And so – that's just, you know, NASCAR suffers from the fact that the races are too long. I think every race should be 300 miles, and that's it. You know, when we run these races at 300 miles, when you shorten the distance between the green flag and the checker flag, the intensity ratchets up. Yeah. You know, when, when, when is the race the best? When the checker flag is the closest. And so when we go to New Hampshire and we go to Phoenix, these places where the races are shorter, you see it. Race starts. I mean, the, the intensity level is crazy, and so... You know, if, if you do that, I think that will solve a lot. Season's too long. You know, we start in the middle of February, really in the middle of January with, with preseason stuff and go all the way to Thanksgiving. You know, kids today will not sit through Avatar. You know, they think that movie's <laughs> too long. So guess what? They are not going to sit there and watch, you know, 500, 600 miles at yeah. a lot of these places. You know, there's a couple of races you keep at their traditional 500-mile distance, 600-mile to Charlotte, everything else, 400 or 300 or less, and, and uh, you know, let me have the rest of my Sunday afternoon to cut the grass and throw the baseball with my daughter. Right, I hear you. Uh, well, Ryan, uh, obviously you're you're in there uh, with uh, another. Well, you're not an, an NC State alum. You're you're a uh, uh, we'll grant you honorary alum status. Uh, but uh, Jerry Punch is out there as well uh, from NC State. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got a chance to meet him at a Wake Forest football game one time. Uh, just a real nice guy. guy. Yeah, one of the best. Yeah. Saved a man's life. I mean, can't beat that. Oh, uh, yeah, well, he's the best. And, and, and listen, he loves NC State. And, and part of the reason Jerry's been a friend of mine for 20 years, and part of the reason that we've been such great friends is that connection. Mm-hmm. And we love talking about NC State. You know, we love, he loves for me to tell stories about, you know, playing football with Lane Kiffin on the hill. <laughs> well, my dad was an ACC referee, and my dad would work scrimmages at State, and me and my brother playing with Lane Kiffin on the hill – and Lane Kiffin was a jerk back then, so I knew I knew when he got older it probably wasn't gonna get any better. But I mean, like the stories we love to tell. I mean, I was telling Ernie Myers, you know, I wore number forty-one for Thurl Bailey, but I copied Ernie Myers' free throw. Like uh. Ernie Myers' free throw was my free throw. Like the way I lined up and everything, I completely copied everything he did. And Brad Darty didn't believe me. And we were somewhere on the road a couple of years ago and had a basketball court like out in the parking lot of a Hilton somewhere, and I go, come on. I took the basketball out there, and I said, here we go, the Ernie Myers free throw. 
And I lined up and did it, and now Brad fell on the floor. He's laughing so hard. He's like, that's it. I go, there you go. I said, this is true. My test has always been, if you're a real NC State fan, I always ask, who saved the season? Who saved the 82-83 season? Well, if they say Ernie Myers, I know they're a real fan. Right, right. You know, uh, uh, if you ask Witt, uh, <laughs> you might get a different answer. We've had Wittenberg on a few times, and uh, you know, uh, it's, it's it's funny. Yeah. It's funny sometimes. Uh, I don't want to disparage uh, Witt, obviously, because certainly we want to have him come back on the He's show. Man, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, certainly uh, Ernie played a huge role in that uh, season. And, and you're right. You know, when Witt went down, it was Ernie that stepped in and uh, kept the the season afloat. And uh, so we're always happy to have Ernie on the show uh, whenever he can join us. Um, well, Ryan, uh, uh, I know being a, a Raleigh guy, did you ever have the chance to, to eat here at Amedios? Uh Maybe every week for ten years. Yeah, we we would. <laughs> so my yes. dad worked at Mer- Yeah, dad worked at Meredith. Uh-huh. And my mom, my mom taught at Poe Elementary School over on the other side of downtown, and I went to Enloe. And, and so yeah, we would come down to dad's office, and I used to run track. I, I ran a. Like junior Olympic track and all that stuff, and we were all over there at, uh, at state. And so, yeah, we go to Medios, and that's the rule. If, if any McGee's are anywhere near Raleigh, we go to Medios, and I get to lasagna, and I, I get to feel 13 years old again. Well, we're still trying to figure out a way to send you some electronically. I don't know if we'll be able to <laughs> yeah. make that I happen. I can smell it. I can smell it through the phone. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, uh, we are certainly very happy that uh, we've kind of formed a partnership over the years here, and they've been good to us. And uh, I wanted to ask if you had the opportunity to uh, partake of some of the media. So I'm I'm happy to hear that uh, a, a good uh, amount of uh, you as a person is comprised of uh, Amedio's food. It sounds like so. Yeah, uh, no, I'm, I'm good. And my uh, my stepmother, she's a big Carolina grad, and her all that stuff, and, and her whole branch of the family. My dad unfortunately married into that crowd, and so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I made her one time. I tricked her into going eating dinner with me over uh-huh. there at uh, at Amedio. She had no idea she was walking into an NC State museum. I took a lot of I took a lot of pleasure in that. Well, uh, well, Dave, uh, the gentleman who uh, kind of set everything up for us, he he's the curator uh, curator of that museum, if you will. So uh, he's happy to hear that. Uh, Ryan, again, thank you so much, man. I really do appreciate you uh, coming on with us, and uh, I'll be a regular listener to your show with Marty. There, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's Marty and McGee, right? Uh, is the name yep. of the show? Yeah, hop on iTunes and seek that out. It's a, it's a wonderful show. Not just motorsports, but also a lot of other stuff, uh, this time of year. Do y'all get into football when football season rolls around? Yeah, and you know, we're, we're on ESPN radio now every Saturday afternoon from two to four. So we, that's, we, we talk, we talk everything. Yeah. Uh, we talk, uh, everything from, from, uh, country music to uh whatever football practice we were both at the previous day which this past week i was at georgia and he was at ohio state so well good deal y'all have a lot of fun and it comes through on the radio so i want to let you know that so all right man i appreciate it and uh thanks for having me on yes absolutely ryan thank you very much and that will do it for this week's episode of the riddick and reynolds podcast that's a weak and a back that's strong you load 16 tons what do you get Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. I was born one morning when the sun didn't shine. 
I picked up my shovel and I walked to the mine. I loaded 16 tons, a number nine coal, and the straw boss said, Well, to bless my soul, you load 16 tons. What do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store.